<laughs> Hello, hi. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm still a little bit coffee, so sorry. Uh, <coughs> and to be honest, I was eating McDonald's, so maybe that's why. Not because of COVID, because I'm eating unhealthy food. <sighs> but yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry you have to listen to this on video. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for letting me join you. Thank you for looking at the Bible together with me right now. Yeah, really appreciate that. Uh, we are looking at Exodus chapter 17. Here it is. And um, the title of my sermon is Complain Kings. <laughs> Complain Kings. I don't really know anyone like that who are kings of complaining, pointing out faults of everything. Um, and the idea is sometimes, sometimes when we do that, you know, we make ourselves out to be the king. We make ourselves out to be God through our complaints. And that, that's kind of like the big idea of today's passage, complain kings. Yeah, okay, uh, so we're going to look at Exodus 17, and I should pray. Okay, let's pray first. Okay, Heavenly Father, help us to hear your word today. Uh, help us to see Jesus in your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, okay, okay. So Exodus 17 and verse 1. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. No water. Uh, I really like how the Bible calls them a congregation. It's actually the word church. So imagine this traveling church that's being led by God's word through the desert. <laughs> and you know, that's kind of like our lives, right? You know, we're listening to this sermon. God's leading us. We're obediently listening, obediently listening to him. I know he's leading us through danger, protecting us. But sometimes, sometimes his word leads us to this place where there is no water. No water. So, big problem in the desert if you have no water. You can, you can die. <laughs> so, what do they do? They complain. Verse 2. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. <laughs> That's a complaint. Give us water. Wait, no, I'll drink some actually. <laughs> and they complained to their boss, to their pastor Moses. Essentially saying, Hey! Do your job. Give, give us water. We're in the desert. We could die. Why did you lead us to this place where we could die? But what does Moses say to them? Uh, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Uh -huh. That's very insightful, actually. Because I think Moses can see through their complaints. He can see that they're not just complaining about him. Because they say, why do you complain against me? essentially their complaints are going up towards God. And they're essentially saying to God, God, why did your word lead us to this situation? Why is it that we don't have a sermon today? I have to watch this video. And they're blaming God. <laughs> God, you know, you've, you've caused this problem. You need to fix this problem. And Moses is saying, hey, you know what? You, know, you need to watch your words because God, God can hear you. God can see into your heart. Yeah, yeah. Verse 3, But the people thirsted there for water, 
And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us? <laughs> to kill us? <laughs> and our children and our livestock with thirst. And essentially, this is, this is the content of their complaint. Why? Why? Uh, imagine they, had, they were writing out their complaint. You know, sometimes you have this complaint. Oh, sorry, that's my, my vacuum cleaner. Beep! Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> they put this complaint into the complaint box. And if you took it out, what you read is them saying, Why did you save us, God? Why did you save us? Because they said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Which is what God did when he saved them out of Egypt. And here are people thinking back to the times when they were slaves in Egypt, when they were almost killed in Egypt. Remember, Pharaoh sent his army to kill them. And God saved them out of all that, all that slavery, all that sin, all that death, only to say, God, I wish I was back there. Uh -huh. So this is a very serious complaint. They're not just complaining about water, not just complaining about Moses. They're complaining about God's plan excuse me, God's plan of salvation, saying, God, I think this was a bad idea. I think you're not a very good God. And, you know, what a serious thing to do, just because they don't have water. They don't have water. See, what's happening here is that, you know, what can cause us to forget everything that God's done for us in the past, you know, saving us, blessing us, redeeming us in Christ, is just one situation that happens today, today. You know, we see this problem that's happening in the present. We forget all of God's goodness to us in the past. And that shows their forgetfulness. That shows their complaining attitude. By the way, we're going, they won't go into this, but chapters 15, 16, 17 show that they've just been complaining, complaining, complaining again and then again, again, again. And God has been forgiving, 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 and blessing them again and again and again. So first thing that we see, these guys are complain kings. They complain as if they're the king. They complain as if God should serve them as the king. And what I want us to see is that, you know, this is not just them, but this is actually all of us. You know, all of us have this heart that kind of maybe at times mistrusts God. And you can tell from our prayers, <laughs> most of my prayers at least, are just lists of complaints. God, you know, why is this happening to me right now? Why did you allow this to happen to me in my life? And very often I forget all the things that God has already done for me all my life in saving me and blessing me and loving me. Yeah, Complain kings. That's them. That's me. That's you as well. First point. Secondly, complain cost. There's a price to be paid, this cost, and God says, I will pay this cost. And this is verse 4. So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Oh, and essentially Moses is complaining to God. He's also a complaint king, but he has reason. You know, They want to kill him. <laughs> but God says, don't worry, don't worry. I will take care of things. And this is verse 5. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, some of the leaders, bring them with you, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. 
Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. Strike the rock, and the water will come out. That's God's interesting and very weird solution. Hit the rock, and the day will be saved. <laughs> but at the heart of this, God is saying, I will pay the cost of their rebellion. Where do I get this? Well, notice that God says to strike the rock with this staff, with this, uh, with this stick. And this is the same stick that Moses used to hit the Nile back in Exodus 7, 7, chapter 7, which was the first plague in Egypt. If you remember, there was this river with water, and the moment Moses hit that Nile, everything turned into blood. Do you remember that? Very gross. Imagine water, so refreshing, you're drinking it, and then blah, blood. Or you're fishing the fish in the sea, and then suddenly it dies, because this river of life has turned into a river of death. And what this stick is meant to remind them of is this stick of judgment, of this curse of death that God poured out on Egypt. And God's saying, do you remember? Do you remember what I did back in Egypt? And you guys are thinking, I want to go back there? You want to go back to that situation of death? You have forgotten this curse that I've saved you from, this curse of death. So that's the first thing with this stick that Moses hit the Nile with. He's now hitting the rock with right now. But secondly, excuse me, secondly, God says to hit this rock. And this rock is essentially hitting God himself. And God says, if you hit me, I will pour out salvation upon my people. And I get this from verse 6. God says, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock. I will stand here and you shall strike the rock and water will flow from it. And again, God is saying, you will strike me. You will strike me with this judgment and I will pour out this salvation upon the people. And I think here what God is saying is, you know, all these complaints they have to go somewhere. All this hatred, all this abuse, all this death has to go somewhere. And the place he has to go is to me. The place he has to go to is the cross. Because what this does is it points forward to Jesus dying on the cross, being struck with God's judgment, and out of Jesus flows the river of life, the salvation from his death. And uh, I'm not just making this up. Uh, actually, we do find this in the New Testament. If you turn to Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, chapter 10, it says, uh, they all drank the same spiritual drink, the same spiritual drink, and they all drank from the same spiritual rock that followed them, the same spiritual rock. And then it adds that rock was Christ. Uh -huh. So saying that rock in Exodus 17, that was actually a picture of Jesus Christ. Because when Moses struck that rock, it points forward to the time that Jesus would be struck with God's judgment and pour out that salvation and that reconciliation and the blessing upon us. What does this mean for us? Well, essentially it's saying, uh, go to the cross. Go to the cross. You know, whenever you feel like you're complaining against God, you feel unsatisfied with something that God is doing in your life, you feel as if it's unfair even, well, go to the cross. God took all that abuse, 
that you poured out upon him, put it on Jesus. God took all that unfair situation, all that thirst, all that judgment, and put it on Jesus. And God says, I will take your judgment upon myself, and I will pour out upon you salvation and blessing and love. It's quite amazing that God is willing to do this for us. He's not asking this asking us to do this for ourselves, to do it for Him. No, God says, I will pay the cost of your rebellion, of your death, so that you will receive from me life and love through my Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do with God. That's kind of what we need to do with one another as well. You know, when we have a fight or a disagreement with one another, the Bible is saying, go to the cross. Go to the cross. Um, not sure if you remember um, earlier this week at the Oscars, <laughs> Will Smith struck the rock, kind of like Moses striking the rock. And, you know, it was out of anger, out of confusion, out of offense. You know, he just struck him. Um, but, you know, it just resulted in more confusion, more offense. But you know what? What happens here is that this striking of Jesus through this rock results in blessing results in us being friends with God again, results in us being made whole and quench of our thirst. You know, that's the amazing thing about this striking compared to our striking one another. This striking of God means that we won't be struck by God. It means that we are now friends with God. Complain kings, that's us. Complain cost, that's God. But finally, one last verse, there's a complaint consequence. Complaint consequence, and this is verse 7. Excuse me, I need to drink a bit less. Uh, verse 7. And he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah. Remember those things, Masa and Meribah. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us? or not. And what Moses does is he names that place where they quarrel with God. He calls it quarreling and testing. <laughs> That's what Masa and Meribah means. Imagine two signs on that spot saying Masa and Meribah, because this is the place that they quarrel with God and that they tested God. And, 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 and imagine, imagine, you know, you go outside church today, the church building today, and you put up a sign that says, this church is now called Takao Tabernacle. <laughs> that would be quite a good name, right? Actually, yeah, Takao Tabernacle. Takao means fighting. This church is always fighting with one another. Or this church is always fighting against God. And it's a very embarrassing name to give to your church. But that's what they did that day, but also every day since that day. And that's, that, that's, that's the reason for this name. They never stopped Takaoing against God. And as a result, I'm not sure if you know this, all of them died in the desert, including Moses. All of them died, uh, except for Joshua and Caleb. Those are the only two exceptions. But everyone else, because of their constant rebellion against God's word, they died in the desert. And it's saying to us as well right now, you know, will you continue in your rebellion against God? Now, uh, I, I get this from Psalm 95. Quite cool, huh? He just got it like that. <laughs> Psalm 95 and verse 7, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as, as in Meribah. Same name. 
on the day as at Masa, same name again, in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. And it's saying today, you guys, as you hear God's word, will you rebel against this word as they did at Masa and Meribah? And there's a warning and an encouragement here. A warning not to harden your hearts. Who is it in the Bible that hardens his heart? Tell me, tell me. Can you remember? Who is it that hardens his heart in the Bible? It's Pharaoh, if you remember. Pharaoh, every time he saw these amazing works from God, he hardened his heart. They heard these words from God through Moses, he hardened his heart. It means he just kept turning away again and again and again. This hardening of your heart, it's not a one-off thing, but it's something that we do again and again. Every time we read God's word, every time we hear God's voice, we turn away and we build up layers of resistance. And that's the warning not to do that today. Even right now, during this sermon, please, my friends, I really urge you, don't turn away from God if you know indeed that God is speaking to you today. That's the warning. But the encouragement is that God is speaking to you today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, we take it for granted that God does speak to us today. I think he is. You know, I think he is speaking, us, speaking to us right now in his word, saying, now is the time for us to turn back to Him, to soften our hearts, to confess Him as Lord, and not to harden it. Maybe we've done it every day, day, but today, today is the day not to do that. Today is the day to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today is the day that God will come to you and say, here is my blessing, here is my love, here is my forgiveness. Will you turn back to me today? So three things, three points. Uh, complain kings, that's all of us. So please be patient with one another. We all have this in us. Complain cost, go to Jesus. You have anything, any gripe against God, against one another, Jesus takes it upon himself on the cross. He gives us his forgiveness. But finally, this consequence today, right now is the time for us to turn back to God and to confess Jesus Christ as our rock of our salvation. Okay, 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 let's pray, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can turn to you today. We can receive this blessing from you today, right here, right now. Uh, but also that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's reigning in heaven today. We thank you and praise you in his name. Amen, amen. Bye.